just I I also feel like I have strong chili opinions. This is Chapel Belfry. I'm Nathan. And I'm Justin. And today we are here to talk about UGA's, dare I say, demolition of everyone's least favorite team from Eastern Alabama, the Auburn War Teagle Plansmen, in a 42-10, I don't want to say route, but it ultimately ended up being a route. It ended up being that way. Yeah. yeah. A confusing experience, to say the least. It was, it was a very confusing. I didn't know what to do with my hands most of the time. So... If this yeah. is your first time joining us, we're going to divide this into roughly two segments. We'll have a qualitative review where we talk about our experiences, what we did, how we felt, where our bodies were, how our souls went, uh, the energy, the vibes, the tarot readings, the crystals, all of that. Then we'll have a quantitative review where we talk about the hard and fast stats and the, you know, the the actual game on the field, you know, the the thing that this podcast mm-hmm. is nominally yeah, about. The football game. A football game, yeah. So before I talk about that, I do want to briefly plug our Patreon. If you would like to become a member mm-hmm. of our Patreon, you can go and for as little as $1 a month at patreon.com forward slash chapel bell curve, you can sign up and become a member of a really cool community of people over on our Discord for as little as $1. A little, a few more bucks will get you access to an early feed of the show. I think we're going to start putting up rough cuts pretty quickly after each time we record. And then a little more than that, we'll get you access to all sorts of interesting stuff like our note sheets and extra stats and the things that we look at, as well as, if you really want to go hard, a very high-level $50 tier where you can have your own question answered and basically have your own special segment just for you because you're a special person. So that is a good... Your special boy pants. That is a good transition into our first topic. and our Yes, your special boy pants. But that is a good transition into Mm. our first topic for the qualitative review because you if you would like to could meet many of those same very good people or those very good patrons uh if you were to join us this weekend at our meetup so justin tell them what they've won if they choose Every to go to our meetup you say our patrons i can't i keep thinking of like the patron like tipping my you know my patron. virtual fedora on, this, uh, uh-huh. on the patron Mm, meet all of my patrons you know the problem <laughs> is that patrons just don't like nice podcasts anymore uh, yeah, it's true. You know, it is what it is. But anyway, we are having a meetup. We're doing a meetup for homecoming. Come on home to Athens, Georgia. We're doing a few different things on Friday night. We're going to have a small group over at Creature Comforts Brewing Company come through uh, from 5 to 7. That'll be taking place. We'll be able to see the homecoming parade, which I believe kicks off around 530. And uh, I'll be there outside uh, watching the parade go by. On Saturday, the Sousa show will be taking place on the Tate Center Bridge. Uh, that'll be at 1230, around 1230 PM. I still believe, um, mm-hmm. that's what we have here. Um, and then a viewing party. If you're not going to the game, come on by to all good. We'll be there at 330 watching from all good. So yeah, come on by. We'd love to have you. It'll be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And all of this stuff is like mm-hmm. super under the radar. So it's not, it's not like all good or CBC or uh, creature comforts are, are backing this or supporting it in any way. This is just where we're going to mm-hmm. be. And we'd like to see you. And so if you want to get into this, sort of wildcat bootleg meetup thing that we've got going on. We'd love to have you. Yeah, please come by. Yeah. Come on and do it. And if you work for Creature Comforts and you'd like to make it official, well, you know, give us a call. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about football, though. Tell me about your experiences this day, Nathan. Yeah. Uh, so 
It was a really frustrating first half. It was really dead. I missed a lot of the first half because I was just running around with my pants on fire, my special boy pants. I uh-huh. will point out that special boy pants. My special boy pants have only been worn to routes so far, so I they've just they're already mm-hmm. washed. The special boy pants Thank are God ready for, for Saturday. Asbestos lined special boy pants. Yeah, I'm 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 sacrificing these perfect gams for all of you. The, these completely flame retardant. These beautiful thighs are being exposed to asbestos just so we can keep winning games. <laughs> anyway, so it was a a very busy day. We had an embed with collegemarching.com, which is <laughs> I don't know how anyone outside of me would know this or the people in college marching bands, but collegemarching.com is like <laughs> the the go-to source for all news about college marching. Very nice guys. Mm-hmm. Really cool. There was one of them from Penn State. One of them marched at Texas. Uh, one of them was a Kansas State guy. And they came and embedded with us. And they were doing all sorts of video. And part of what they did was they were going to like video an in-depth interview and talk to the Battle Hymn soloist. And so I ended up working with them a lot because I work with the Battle Hymn soloist as well. And so we had to go on this great big trip around where like, we left the practice field and then we let they left a mic there which was fine but then i gave poor directions for us to get over there forgetting what streets were blocked off so like getting from <laughs> sand getting from the tate deck back to the practice field took about 30 minutes and then mm-hmm. you know it took 10 minutes to go back because i was actually thinking about where we were going before then uh, so we, but anyway i felt like I, I was really out of it i missed like the Sousa show which was annoying and i missed a bunch of stuff but I ended up with 20,000 steps, which is good. That's always like my goal on game day. I rarely meet it, but I did. It's a good day. I did. Yeah, I did have a good day. It was really great to not only host the guys from College Marching, but also Auburn's band was there. They're one of the best bands of the SEC. A really, really nice, really nice band. They're really, really, really sweet people. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, they're really good. Very different. What makes them so good? Uh, well, they are so clean. God, they're clean. Visually... They just can really march and they can play and they have a level of discipline. They are probably the most disciplined band in the SEC. Uh, Really? Yeah. I think, I think maybe more than like Texas A&M, like I'm not joking. Like they, their rehearsal etiquette, their, their level of just like everybody knows where they are. Everybody, you know, they, we, we've done some stuff with like drone recording and instant feedback, but they like drone record their practice runs and then they will like, individually point out people who are like six inches off the dot. Uh, yeah. They're, but as a result, they are incredibly, incredibly disciplined, incredibly clean. Uh, but they were really nice. We had, we had to help them with their front ensemble and they, they came on, they, they did a good performance. Um, it was, it's a really fun, interesting contrast to see Auburn, Auburn's band on the same band field as the Redcoats, because the Redcoats are probably in the bottom 10 least disciplined, fans in the sec uh that's just not the style of what we do it's i mean uh they can they they're capable of having discipline and they are and they can march but man like the redcoats play with a little bit of edge that you don't find in a lot of places including in auburn so it's just it was a really cool uh it was really cool to see those two bands back to back let's see uh the redcoats sounded really good you know i really wish i really won a night game man 330 games are beautiful and all of my pictures look gorgeous because they were just like right in the middle of like the October golden hour. They just look so good. Mm-hmm. Every picture I took, I have a really nice phone, but <laughs> also the the lighting was just so good, but humble brag. Yeah. I mean, I got the S 22 ultra 
uh, plus ultra or whatever it is. I don't know. It's like the all my one Nathan, tell plus ultra. Anyway, um, but <laughs> it was it, it it's nice. The three thirty game is, and you can like watch the night games at home. And I'm not complaining about you know we used to have only noon games. But man, can a, can a, can a dude get a seven thirty game or a seven o'clock game? Like, can you just put us on the SEC <laughs> network for once? I mean, Christ on the cross. And I mean, I, we might be getting one very soon. Well, <laughs> in a couple weeks. I hope so, man. To seven o'clock. Well, yeah. Okay, so we've already been the CBS game once, and I don't. I don't think they can take each. We might get a seven o'clock game for for for. Tennessee, but that would be it because you know that CBS is going to take the three thirty game for uh, Florida. So anyway, I would just really like a, I would really like a, a night game because they're they're so juiced, they're so fun. Anyway, so how was your experience? Oh, so it was a good time. Um, so those of you that are visiting Athens this coming weekend for homecoming or uh, the next weekend for the bye weekend for any reason, I would definitely encourage you to come by the Books for Keeps Community Book Fair because that's where I have been spending a lot of my time. I was very fortunate on Saturday that the hours were 10 to 2 and the game was at 3.30, which was lovely. I was able to sort of wrap up and get over there, but uh, that has been a lot of my time over the last couple weeks. And if you're unfamiliar with it, it is an annual book fair where we open the doors to our our, uh, our book warehouse and we give away uh, 100 books per person per day. It's all suggested donations of a dollar per book. If you would like to donate, you may, but you're welcome to take up to 100 books per person per day. And we have books from kids all the way up to adults and all sorts of wild things in there. So if you find yourself uh, this weekend or the following weekend, which when we'll be open, uh, still with some time, then come on by. But look us up on Books or Keeps, BFK Athens uh, on Instagram. But uh, after I was able to get away from the book fair, I was able to go sit on the couch and watch this game and just sort of become the couch. It was really nice. (laughs) And, you know, I I had the classic watch the Georgia game on the TV, another game on my phone, another on the iPad. Mm. And I'm pretty sure I took a nap somewhere in there. Um, eventually made some chili, the first chili of the season, you know, Mm. uh, fall bless. That's a a powerful chili. It's it was a powerful chili, the first one of the season, and I make a damn good chili. Um, I gotta say, you know, I, I take some some bacon, I reduce it real hard, put some beef tips in there, you mm. know, let those, uh, you know, crust up a little bit, and then they they finish as the stew, because uh, that's basically what I make at the end uh, as it thickens up and boils over. So um, it's a good time. I'll make you some chili sometime. You'll enjoy it. But. Uh, yeah, by the end of the night, you know, the game finally finished. It was it just kind of felt like a blur, you know. The first half was just kind of like, what is this shit? <laughs> like, yeah. what is happening? Yeah. What is this madness? The second half was fine. And it was kind of, I just kind of felt by the end of it sort of apathetic towards football. At that point, I was like, yeah, fine. I'm really glad that the, you know, the players that got their sort of 15 minutes of this game really got their 15 minutes. You know, like Branson Robinson was really exciting. Dejon Edwards, they both cleaned up in this game really, really well. And I don't know if that's just because of their just you know, incredibly talented, which I'm sure that has some uh, factor into it that plays into it. But also because I doubt that Auburn, you know, catered their their practices towards those two guys um, who are just much more uh, intense, much more nimble. Um, and so I, I'm really excited that we got to see those guys. But, you know, you talked about games wanting a night game. I really enjoy a 3.30 game because it feels... It feels okay. Like, that's not where I want it to be. I think I'd rather, you're right, I'd rather be a noon game or I'd rather be a night game. 
I really love a noon game because it feels a little bit like day drinking. Like I can have my fun, I can get a nap, and then I can have an evening as well. It's the best of both worlds. I know it really sucks to be a red coat on a noon game day. <laughs> yeah, it's horrible. But as an yeah, as a, as somebody in the audience, it's not too bad. Um, so yeah, I get to you know get get a little bit of everything, and then I can wake up and watch the night games that are apparently pretty good. But um, for your sake and for all the red coats' sake and everybody who is involved with putting together a game day i hope you get some afternoon and evening games pretty soon which there's a like i said very good chance that that tennessee game will be a night game it is yet to be decided quite yet yeah even if they do lose to alabama this weekend who knows so i I just want to briefly before we go on i do want to briefly point just i i also feel like i have strong chili opinions i think my chili thing i really (laughs) like the strong chili opinions i well I really like doing the beef tips in chili, like the actual beef and chili. But my like chili mm-hmm. thing that I like is to do like a spiced chili with like cinnamon and clove and allspice and cocoa powder. Yes. And it just gives it such a nice like warmth on top of the chili, mm-hmm. the chili powder. I also the other trick I picked up was to do to take if you're gonna do like three cans of pure of beans. Or I don't know. Some people don't like beans and chili mm-hmm. or whatever. But if you're doing beans in your chili. I love some beans and some chili. Even if you're not doing you beans, beans and chili, chili. If you take about a cup of beans and then about two thirds to a half a cup of water and puree it. And then you put that in mm-hmm. the chili. You end up with like a really glossy, smooth, it. thick chili. But it doesn't have any mm-hmm. of the taste that you would uh, that you would get from like uh, cornstarch or whatever. Yeah. That is the move blending up those beans baby mm-hmm. so let's talk about some newsy stuff you know we have some things came from this game you know injuries persisted mm-hmm. um this is also a really exciting game for recruits and we'll talk a little bit more you know i, I kind of have a an opening to uh some of our quantitative segment with a question for you regarding our recruits but walk me through some of um these injuries and kind of where we're sitting at with with the folks at this point did bye week come at the right time <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot to unpack here. Injuries. I don't think anyone is going to play against Vandy that is even remotely insert, injured other than Stetson Bennett. Uh, A.D. Mitchell, Arian Smith, Kendall Milton. I don't think we're going to have any of them. Smile Mondin, maybe. Kendall Milton, I think, is also a maybe. Uh, I think, you know, Stetson Bennett is also has been reported as being injured. Uh, Kirby said his shoulder was, quote unquote, bothering him. I think, and, mm-hmm. and this is something that I read on Dog Central uh, over there from Graham Coffey, that basically Kirby and the staff don't maybe have as much trust in Beck and Vandegriff as they have in the past with some of their backup quarterbacks. And so mm-hmm. I think Stetson will still go, but this is a beat up team. This is, this is a, the, the timing of this bye week is very good. And honestly, the timing of this Vandy game and we'll talk about this more in our Vandy preview episode, but the timing of this Vandy game is pretty good because this Vandy team is improved, but still not good. So I, Mm -hmm. you know, I think there's, I haven't seen anything on the injury news that makes me think, oh my God, like this is messed up, right? However, I do, I think that there have been enough injuries that it has like radically affected the way that we play offensive football in particular. And I think we showed that we can run the ball with some efficacy on Saturday, but we showed that Mm -hmm. because a lot of our top, well, two of our top pass catchers are gone and 
two two mm-hmm. players whose dimension in the offense we cannot replace are gone. And so I'm yeah. I'm excited at the prospect of seeing this offense where we can run the ball and everyone's healthy and we can also pass the ball, right? I think that's 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 a really exciting thing but also it's just like we need this bye week for everyone to get back to full health, right? Because it seems yeah. like everything so far is just little tweaks like ankles or a foot injury or a shoulder. I think uh Stetson thing is a shoulder thing and you know, I, uh, I think Smile Munden is also an angle, uh, an ankle. Kendall Milton, maybe a groin injury, maybe question mark. Mm-hmm. So, I it doesn't seem like anything is like season ending or anything. But not even for Florida. But I mean, for Florida, yeah, they're a better team than what we've played the past few weeks. But I mean, well, maybe not. I mean, they almost lost to Missouri, but they they are a better team. They are more yeah. talented team, right? But like. Going into that Tennessee uh, Mississippi State gauntlet, I think it is super important that we are as healthy as possible. So mm-hmm. it's a well timed bye week. It's a well timed Vanderbilt. <laughs> Can you imagine telling yourself three years ago the saying the sentence to yourself three years ago that you just said? The Tennessee Mississippi State gauntlet. <laughs> yeah, right. It's wild, but I mean, Mississippi State can run the ball and they can pass the ball, and their defensive yeah. line is okay. And mm-hmm. Tennessee is just good. They're probably a top ten team, right? I mean, I think we can beat both of those teams, but I've been wrong before. And I do. I also think like, mm-hmm. and and we can talk about this more when we get into the, the quantitative stuff. But missing Ad Mitchell, it just takes a whole component out of the passing attack. And even though we have yeah. these otherworldly tight ends, like none of them really do what he does. If anything, I, I think actually like missing a- A.D. Mitchell and Eric Gilbert, because Eric Gilbert is the guy who has the most like wide receiver one kind of like game of any of those tight ends. I mean, mm-hmm. God knows Darnell Washington is basically uncoverable on on routes down the sideline, but he's uncoverable because he's like seven feet tall. He's not uncoverable because he yeah. can run past people and then high point the catch, right? So missing those because he's huge. <laughs> yeah, m- missing those three guys: Eddie Mitchell, Arian Smith, and then uh, er- Eric Gilbert for totally different reasons. But missing those three guys, I think, is like removed an element from this offense that it- it's almost like there is an axis of this offense that we cannot access right now. And we've gotten into mm-hmm. we got into it a little bit with Dominic Blaylock, but anyway, I, I don't want to get into the, too much quantitative stuff. So the only other yeah, yeah, yeah. it's yeah the only other news thing is that apparently this big recruiting weekend is already paying benefits. Roger Robinson, the second great name by the way, he is a four star <laughs> RB or a running back, and he's the 14th na- ranked running back in the nation, and he flipped from UCLA to Georgia, which is of course good fantastic yeah, good news for for the home team. Um, I believe that Robinson is is a, I believe, uh, yeah, Roger Robinson is a 2023 commit, uh, but he does currently take it up. He takes us up to, for the 23 class, the number two overall rank with 21st, 21 commits. Um, in the current class, Robinson is in like, Wildly, in terms of his ranking, he's actually not in like the top ten commits in the twenty uh, the twenty twenty three class, which is pretty pretty nuts. Um, but I think you can see already that some of this recruiting stuff is is making you know it's it's it that big recruiting weekend making waves made 
made an impact on UGA's class. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think that's about it in terms Can of I, new stuff. Yeah. I was going to say, um, let me hit you with some of these storylines that we actually talked about last week, and you can kind of tell me what we've learned based on these questions. Because yeah. they're generally questions or statements. But let, let's go back and forth real quick. So the first one was from the preview episode, is Georgia a legit title contender? I mean, yeah, I think so. Uh, as long as Stetson mm-hmm. gets healthy, I think we've got a shot. Yes. All right. Second one is, this is a big recruiting weekend for Georgia. Well, that already, <laughs> As you said, this has already paid, paid off. Paid off already, yeah. yeah. It, it, there were a lot uh-huh. of five stars in the house, even outside of Roderick Robertson, who, yeah. who, Robinson, who is not even a five star. So New Auburn starting quarterback Robbie Ashford has been up and down this year, but is uh, blah, blah, blah. New Auburn starting quarterback Robbie Ashford has been up and down this year, but is he talented? Does he have the athleticism to hurt this defense? <laughs> well, the answer is no, uh, emphatically no. Yes. <laughs> yep. Absolutely Decidedly not. No. Under what circumstances does Brian Harson himself not get fired on Sunday? Apparently, all circumstances, because I don't know if they're just <laughs> waiting for something yeah I, I don't know what they're waiting for but they haven't done it so uh, they haven't done it yet and so yeah. maybe they're waiting f- to longer I, i'm not sure i think it was something like not a long amount of time like uh maybe seven weeks or something i think i read somewhere i could be making that up or it might have been seven million dollars like they 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 lose seven million dollars to brian harson if he breaks his contract before like a very reasonable amount of time some point in the season so it's like do you just kind of go for it? What do you do? You know. Mm-hmm. Um, and the last question was, what has what have the last couple of games shown uh, is UGA's weakness, and does Auburn have the skill to exploit that? Well, they they don't they did not emphatically no. God no, mm-hmm. they did not. Uh, you know, I think we 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 still see that this pass offense is not what it was when everyone was healthy, right? And so to me, that's the big weakness. Uh, that, and I'm starting to have some concerns about our defensive backfield. But I I, I'm, I, feel better about it, especially considering that Stetson is injured. Stetson has, over the past few games, just missed some passes that were not only wide open, they were also just kind of layups. And so at some point, you have to think that... Uh, he was gonna he's gonna get better because those are just usually balls he completes in his in his sleep. But yeah, I, I'm I'm not really obviously Auburn couldn't exploit that. And I don't think that anyone on our schedule will be able to exploit it before he gets healthy again. Knock on wood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's let's dive right into our quantitative segment then. Yeah. Some stat rundowns. Yeah. We'll go through stat rundowns, we'll go through some observations mm-hmm. and then back through our predictions and just kind of touch on the other happenings around the league that we talked about beforehand but yeah it, as we said before this is a bad first half <laughs> it was real bad first half yeah. it was a negative 20.25 epa per play passing on the day uh, do you want to talk a little bit about stetson and kind of what we saw from him yeah he was 22 for 32 for 208 yards no touchdowns no intersection interceptions but he took a sack and he only had a 40.4 x qbr which is estimated qbr per gameonpaper.com you know, mm-hmm. in the first half, he was 7 for 13 for only 25 yards. So mm-hmm. that's going to lead to that line. It was not great. But in the second half, it yeah. seemed like something clicked. He was 15 to 19 of 19 for 183 yards. So, I mean, he started to look better. He started to look more in rhythm. I actually wonder if he, like, got shot up with something and 
in um could be in the halftime he got like a cortisol shot or something because he had that in the first the first drive of the second half he had a fumble which they didn't end up getting any points off of but he had a fumble and he came back out and he just looked like really put together and if mm-hmm. we are operating under the premise that like he has an injury that he is just toughing it out through then i think it makes sense that at some point in the in halftime they just like shot him up and he couldn't feel that that shoulder you know yeah. I mean, I've had some shoulder stuff, and my... It's not fun. Yeah, it's not fun, and it's one of those things where, at least when it happened to me, it was like, yeah, there's nothing you can do to make it worse, but it's just going to hurt. Like, it just hurts a lot, and you use your shoulder a lot, and if you're a Division One quarterback, you use your shoulder a lot, a lot. Uh, so I'm not really concerned about Stetson, but it was a pretty pedestrian line by his standards. I, I think he's gone two or three games in a row without a passing touchdown, which is actually the first time he's done that as a starter, I think. Um, Mm -hmm. So the other, I mean, there was some good, uh, I think Dejon Edwards is sort of a, yeah. uh, Dejon Edwards was a revelation. He had 12 carries for 83 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, He had 0.42 EPA per play, which is very, very, very good, especially for a running back. Uh, Branson Robinson was also very good on the day. He went. He was. Yeah, I mean, our our what do we say? Our yoked up boy, our fully yoked up he's, boy. He's rocked up. Our baby. rocked up boy. Yeah, Bretton Robinson. He's all rocked up. Had twelve carries for ninety eight yards, one touchdown. He was eight point one seven yards per play, which was bigger than Dejon Edwards, who was six point nine two, and he had point two five EPA per play, which is very good. Um, fifty percent success rate for Robinson on the day, sixty-seven percent success rate for Dejon Edwards. To me, both of those guys just look really crisp and explosive running in a way that so good. Kendall Milton has not always looked this year. I think, in particular, Branson Robinson is, or sorry, in particular, Dejon Edwards rather is is a kind of guy who runs in a way that is helpful to the way this team plays. Uh, on the day, we were in the mm-hmm. 75th percentile of EPA per play, which is pretty good. 98th percentile of red zone success rate, which feels good, man. JPEG. Uh, he, you know, <laughs> I, I felt like we really converted. Uh, we we converted our red zone opportunities pretty well, but also the the fact that we were able to get into the red zone and just absolutely pound the ball, be in a situation where we had goal to go. Everybody knew we were going to run it, and then we just ran it. That was mm-hmm. that was really really good, man. Like I. I there have been yeah. so many times that we have had, you know, I don't know, just like obviously obvious running situations on the goal line and it just haven't worked. Actually, on the day, UGA had three power run uh, run opportunities and converted uh, all three of them for 100% power run conversion rate. They only had 13% stuffed runs on the day. They only had five of their plays were stuffed. Um, they only had... 12 that were stopped for less than two yards uh, a full 53 percent of uga's rushing plays on the day were opportunity runs which gained more than four yards they had 2.01 o-line yards per carry which is very very good they had 146 highlight yards 7.3 per rush opportunity so basically like when when they had a run of more than four yards most of the time it went for big yardage it was just a it was a the running game was just pretty much superlative i mean even stetson had a really good obviously he had the the big touchdown but he had two carries for 73 yards uh 36.5 yards per play obviously i i you know there's mm-hmm. not a lot bad that you can say about the running game on the day and i also think it's 
even though obviously we'd like the passing game to look better, it is it is worth pointing out that you know we absolutely dominated this game and we were in the seventh. Uh, no, we were in the thirty third percentile of explosive play rate. So we we dominated this game without. We had very few explosive plays. Only seven percent of our plays were explosive. Uh, we only had five of them on the whole day, right? Out of eighty total plays. So I mean, I think there's good and there's bad, and obviously, like the concern looking at these stats is with the passing game, but I think ultimately when you can just be as efficient as UGA was, it doesn't matter if you can't pass, especially if you know that that, uh, if you acknowledge that a lot of those passing difficulties are because of injuries. Um, We talked about Stetson being banged up uh, and, but I think, you know, in terms of the structure of the offense, if we don't have the speed and skill on the edge to get the ball out on quick screens, short routes, pop passes, some some of the other stuff that we do doesn't work as well. And in fact, Stetson really didn't mm. throw short passes very much this game. And I think that that is an adjustment from, well, I think it's an adjustment twofold. One, I think it's an adjustment because he just hasn't been comfortable throwing those balls because of his injury. And two, I think it's an adjustment and it's an acknowledgement that, you know, A.D. Mitchell, Arian Smith, these are guys who sort of made that part of our, uh, of our game plan work. And, you know, they are also the only two guys that we have that are really, that have that sort of go up and challenge the ball at the point of attack, get separation from from a defender and make a big play ability. I think McConkey is so good in space if you can scheme him space. This is my observation. If McConkey mm-hmm. gets an inch on you, he will be free and he will be able to catch a touchdown. And in fact, he had a touchdown that was basically left on the field because Stetson overthrew him. Uh, and because he took like a stutter step for some reason, but he's so good when he gets space and if he can get by anybody, he's so good. But if he has someone on who, him who can run with him, he just like has a really hard time making a play. And that's because he's a tiny little boy, right? He had, he had, a, I mean, and, and it's fine, but I think part yeah. of McConkie struggles. over, boy. Yeah. And I think part of his struggles over the past few weeks is that. I mean, obviously, he's had some drops and he had a fumble and then, you know, a couple of overthrows, a couple of missed opportunities. But I also think part of the problem is that he doesn't have guys on the perimeter that can open up space for him the way that he needs. Mm -hmm. He is not a burner. I mean, he's fast, like no doubt about it. And he's very skilled and talented. But, you know, he's not going to high point a guy. He's not going to moss a guy, which is not a problem. I mean, not you don't need every one of your wide receivers to be six, five or whatever. It's just that like it, it takes him off of his game when he doesn't have someone who can open up that space for him. Uh, let's see. And, and you know what, when he catches the punts, he's a threat on special teams. He had like a 38 yard return that looked really good. I, I just, uh, I just really think AD Mitchell, man, I think he's a, he's a wide receiver one and he's a wide receiver one in a way that it's like, I'm not saying he's George Pickens. I'm not saying he's he's one of the top 10 wide receivers in, in the nation. I'm just saying that like his role in our offense is as wide receiver one, and I don't think that he's easily replaceable. Um, ultimately, I, I feel like that this was kind of – this is a game that kind of raises the floor and the ceiling to me because it's like if UGA can prove going forward that they have this kind of run game where they can just grind someone to paste a la 2017 UGA – this team is going to be hard to beat because you've seen it happen under suboptimal circumstances. Now when Auburn knew we were just going to run. And I think that as we, uh, as we go forward, if we can continue to implement the defense at that level or the, uh, the, the running game at that level, then it's going to be, 
we're going to be a pretty hard team to beat. Um, yeah. Do you want to talk about the defense? Oh, yeah. I mean, before we leave offense, I will just say, you know, looking at those Dejan Edwards uh, numbers and, you know, his, his stat box, but also just the, the deeper dive, it makes sense to me why Roderick Robinson would flip from this game specifically. Dejan Edwards and him look similar. Um, they're both four stars. Uh, well, Dejon Edwards was a four star and look at him showing out on this game. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I was Roger Robinson, I would feel the same way. Like, look what I could do with what this team would give me. So mm-hmm. I'm very excited about that. So defensively, you know, I'm happy to report that on fat bear week, our very svelte bear, bear Alexander registered four <laughs> quarterback hurries and, Sweet boy. and just had a really, really good game overall. Uh, I thought that. You know he he looks really good rushing the passer. He looks really good playing the playing the run. He's he he isn't really a Jordan Davis because that's just not his game. But man, he he looks really good. They had him out at defensive end at some point. He weighs over three hundred pounds and he can rush the passer consistently. It, it's it, that's an exciting thing because he did all of this on the day. As did Zion Logue had a really good game. Nazir Stockhouse had a really good game, and they did all of this with no without their best player. Right. And so you figure with the sort of emergence of Bear Alexander on top of having a guy like Jalen Carter back, what this front seven can do is uh, my estimation of their ability to impact the game has really gone up. I think Tyke Smith had a really good, he had a really bad play. He was one of the guys that missed a tackle on the long touchdown out of three people that missed tackles. But I thought he looked like a badass for a lot of the day. There was a time where he had a uh, yeah. he was the point man on a wide receiver screen where basically he wasn't the guy tackling the wide receiver. He was the, he was just supposed to defo- defeat a block and he grabbed the blocker and shoved him so far in the backfield that the pass bounced off of the blocker instead of going to the wide receiver. <laughs> and that's like that's <laughs> that was pretty awesome. That's tough football. Uh communication looked like it was pretty good. I, I thought that Ryan Davis really stepped up in this game. I thought Jamon Dumas Johnson uh, you know Continues to look really good. Uh, Keely Ringo, man, I, I'm, I'm not saying Keely Ringo is bad, but man, uh, him and Mal- Malachi Starks is a freshman, and that's fine. But Keely Ringo, like he kept getting lost in traffic, he kept trailing routes and not being able to catch up. I don't know what's going on. He has every bit of talent in the world. I don't know if people have figured out what he's not good at, but he's just gotten embarrassed the last couple of games on some. Mm-hmm. Not easy to cover routes, but some routes that I knew he has the ability to cover. I think Nolan Smith, by the way, another observation I had was that Nolan Smith is just steady. You know, he doesn't have the sack numbers right now. He doesn't have the sort of first round draft pick acclaim. But man, like he puts pressure, he gets pressure consistently. He plays the run as good as any outside linebacker in the nation. And it just seems like any time that UGA needs someone to get after the quarterback, he can do it. And he hasn't been able to convert those into sacks. And maybe that affects his NFL future, but I don't give a shit about that. For us, I think he's played in a really important role, even without the numbers uh, on the stat sheet. Look, at the end of the day, if you beat Auburn by 32 points and you pull off a six-game streak or whatever, it's a good day. And honestly, Mm -hmm. like, we left 14 to 21 points on the field. Two obvious missed touchdowns from Stetson because he was just having a bad day on the long ball. I thought there there were a couple of other points where, you know, if we don't have a drive-killing... You know, it looks like we're moving the ball pretty well, and we have, like, a drive-killing uh, penalty. Less all of that stuff, mm-hmm. you know, this easily could have been a 
49 to 3 game, right? So it's hard to really complain. Yeah. We're going to have to be more consistent going forward, but you know, that's how life is. So, uh in terms of our predictions, I had 35-13, you had 38-14, and by 2 points you beat me mm-hmm. in the overall prediction. So that's uh Aha. Congratulations. It's not bad. Took one off Thank of you. old Nathan. I appreciate easy, it. Easy uh <laughs> easy cover for UGA th- yeah. on this day. The, uh, I was surprised, to be honest. 32-point cover. Based on the first half. Yeah, it feels good. Yeah, it was a, it was an interesting game. But yeah, the, the things that I will just, as we wrap up sort of the overview of this game before we get into like anything about other happenings around the league and reflect on those things, it's just, at the end of the day, the lowest win expectancy from this game for Georgia was 91.9%. Full stop. And that was in the first half. Um, so it didn't look pretty. And I think that it, it's, it's worth saying that, like you said, if we get healthy, I think we're good. And also this is definitely a team where they can make mistakes and they can play poorly and they can clean up. And I think that the best teams are the ones that are defined by how they clean up and how they can adapt. And if they're able to clean up much like Georgia can do, Georgia can play with its food, as you say, often and still get by yeah. and win a game. And yeah. I think that that is really special, and we have to hold on to that. The, the, the only other thing I would say is that I think it's it's worth pointing out that this was an improvement in performance percentile-wise in pretty much every category from last week. So absolutely, it doesn't feel aesthetically pleasing because in the first half it wasn't aesthetically pleasing. We were in the negative EPA total through like the 80th total play of the game. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that this wasn't a, 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 an improvement of performance, right? Yeah. You want to talk about stuff it's only around six games in? Yeah. You want to talk about stuff around the league? Sure. Yeah. I, um, we all know now, uh, recording this episode and, and coming in after the AP polls have already dropped that Alabama took a dive. I don't think that happens very often. Where uh, Alabama was take was playing against Texas a in this past weekend, um, showed up but didn't really show out, and they took a dive in AP polls down to three from one, putting uh, Georgia and Ohio State up ahead. And I think that what that kind of proves to me this time around, you know, the coaching carousel affects Alabama more so than other teams out in the nation um, in a big way. Like every year they've got folks moving in, got folks moving out. And so any given year, it's interesting to see what a new coach might do with the personnel that they've been given year to year. And what I think this proves is that Bryce Young is honestly, he, I mean, he's the Heisman return. He's the, the, the reigning Heisman champ, and he is the deciding factor for this team on offense. They don't have as many weapons as I think that we may have previously thought. And coaching on offense really needs to improve, I believe, for them if they're going to remain a contender going forward if Bryce Young stays injured. Um, did you have any takeaways from that game? Yeah, I mean, uh, Jalen Milrow brings an element of the running quarterback, the power run, in the way they haven't had since, the, I mean, like six years. But you're right. I mean, Bryce Young has it. Whatever it is, yeah. Bryce Young has it. Bryce Young is... He's got it. Anytime they need a guy to win a game, he wins them a game. And honestly, I think mm-hmm. if he plays at Tennessee, and I hate to say this because... Well, exact. You're right, except for one thing. He did not win the game when they needed him against Georgia in the national championship. But other than that, he sure did. He's been pretty good at winning <laughs> games, right? So, 
I, I, I just think that he is, he is just a special player in a way that like, I, I fully believe that if he plays and he's 75% this weekend, he will do something effing crazy and win them the game and break Tennessee's heart. That's the level of good he is. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's nuts to look down the team stats for that game. Alabama played at the 12th percentile EPA per play, negative 0.21. They played in the 23rd percentile for success rate, 36%. Mm-hmm. Fourth percentile EPA per drop back. That's negative 0.59 with their backup quarterback. Um, the red zone success rate was seventh percentile. Defense run stuff rate, 20th percentile. They did have a lot of havoc, I will say. <laughs> they had 91st percentile on that 19% per, uh, havoc rate. So that is, I think, the only positive stat they had on this game. And other than that, it was just a really weird game for Alabama. Like, mm-hmm. They're winning games because they they have a defense uh, with a lot of talent, but it doesn't seem like it's clicking the way it should, and the offense is lacking a lot without Bryce Young. Obviously, I think. When, I mean, honestly, they're like, I don't want to play them. I, if Bryce Young gets healthy, I don't want to. No, play them. absolutely not. No, I don't want to do it either. He's got a chip on his shoulder at this point, so he's going to have to prove himself. You know, if if we do meet back up in the end of the season, so I'm okay if we don't play him. That'd be great. I want Tennessee to, to ruin them, and then we play Tennessee the following weekend and see what happens. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to see. I just want to see. Yeah. Let's make all of Tennessee's dreams come true this weekend, so that we can do our best to ruin them <laughs> in a couple weekends. Uh, the other game I was most excited about, and I'd love to hear if there are any other games that you were excited about, but the Kansas game. R.I.P. to our Kansas Jayhawk Bros. Um, I don't think their season is over by any means, but they had a they also had a quarterback situation where uh, and it, our, and it was the same friend, injury friend of the pod, same injury. Um, Jalen Daniels was in for a bit, went down. Jason Bean took over. Honestly, Jason Bean looked pretty good. He still threw for four touchdowns, threw an interception. He it, when it mattered most, I will say, like in the end of the game, like they had it was Kansas's win to game to sort of tie up and win in the end of the game, but. I mean, a backup quarterback is a backup quarterback for a reason, and Jalen Daniels is obviously the starter for a reason, and it showed in those last few minutes um, as they tried to tie the game up. And it just didn't work out. TCU got there faster. Um, yeah, and so they, they came out on top. But it's sad to to see the win drop. But there's not a whole lot of winless team or uh, lossless teams, excuse me, left in the, in the league, I believe. Um, I'm curious to see what that looks like. Yeah, I think it's down to like five right Let's now. See five undefeated teams or something like that i believe so so i and we have two of them are playing this weekend yeah so we're gonna lose at least one more mm-hmm. so i mean i didn't <laughs> are there any other games that that you were excited about honestly like not really because by the time i got home there wasn't really a lot good on i uh i caught the end of the i caught a touch of the tennessee lsu game like on the way home but other than that mm-hmm. not really anything i saw i mean i feel like I had such a crazy day, but by the time I got home, I was just like basically catatonic. I think that we have nine. Oh, we have nine. Okay. Lossless teams still. Oh, I was wrong. But we have Penn State, Michigan are playing, Alabama, Tennessee, and I think that is mostly it. So we're at least going to be down to eight. Oh, no. TCU, Oklahoma State. So we'll be down three. Yeah, down to seven at least. This has been Chapel Bell Curve. If you like what you heard here today, we would love if you give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, wherever you get your fine podcasts. You can etch it on a tablet and throw it at your neighbor. We don't care. We'd love to get a good review. Actually, don't do that because we don't get involved in a lawsuit. Anyway. No, do it. Yeah, no, no, it's fine. You don't have to. Anyway, 
we would like to thank all of our patrons who support us over at patreon.com forward slash chapel bell curve. They are paying as little as $1 a month to get access to this fine podcast early and to have access to a really cool community of people. If you would like to have access to that, you can go to the aforementioned website. We also would like to thank today oh, yes. our stats crew, our stats team, uh, consisting of Ross, Steven, Steven, mm-hmm. and Ryan for their good, good numbers and their good, good inter- information. If you'd like to get in touch with us to yell at us for any reason or just to talk to us or to record ASMR or something, you can contest, uh, contact us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok if you wanted to for some reason at Chapel Bell Curve. Are we on TikTok? Yeah, we do have a TikTok. <laughs> it only has one video on it, but it's a video of the Red Cuts playing. I don't know. I, I don't. Oh, I don't okay. know how to use sure. it. We, we got to get some TikTok. interns. We got to get some social media interns. Uh, if you we need some Gen Zers. We need some Gen Zers. If you want to be our intern, let us know. Contact us on social media. That's your first test to see if you can be our intern is if you can successfully <laughs> contact us on social media. Uh, and if you make us some kind of video resume, even better. Anyway, we will catch you this weekend at our meetup starting at 5 p.m. At, yes. at Ye Old Creature Comforts Brewery in downtown Athens and other places and parts unknown throughout the weekend. But until then, go dogs. Go dogs. <laughs>